in the cafe at night and revolution in the air. Dig at harryshill.net and Facebook Harry Brown's Farm. WERU Community Radio depends on and is grateful for the generous support of our listeners. If you recently received a membership renewal letter from us, it means that you made your membership donation during this quarter last year. Please take a moment to respond to the letter and send in your donation today, because the sooner we receive your gift, the sooner we can put your contributions to work serving our community. You can also pledge online at weru.org or call 469-6600 during weekday business hours. Thank you for all you do for WERU. Support for Talk of the Towns comes from the Maine Community Foundation, partnering with donors and nonprofits to strengthen Maine's economy by focusing on education, leadership, and quality of place on the web at maincf.org. It's just a few seconds before 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host, Ron Beard, is up next. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities, to share what works, to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine, and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be a benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Can you recall a book that opened your mind to the world around you? In our digital media-drenched world, do books still hold the power to inspire? What happens when you bring together young readers with the authors of books they enjoy? And this morning, we'll get a chance to talk about some of those questions with our guests here in the studio, um, part of something called Island Readers and Writers, and we're happy to welcome Jan Coates, who's Executive Director. Welcome to Talk of the Towns, Jan. Thank you. And you've brought with you uh, Jennifer Judd-McGee, who's a board member and also a parent of, of, of young people who've participated in the program. Welcome to you. Thank you. And we also welcome back Kim Ridley, the author um, of the secret pool. Welcome, Kim. Thanks. And we'll hear more from each of you in in a moment. But uh, let's start with uh, Jan and and uh, get a little bit of background on on um, yourself as a book lover and <laughs> and now as someone who kind of promotes the notion of of reading as as a way uh, to open the world. Well, as a book lover, I'd have to say that uh, that started many 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 years ago. Um, and it had launched me into a career in higher education. Um, grow, I grew up on MDI and uh, went off into the world for about 22 years in higher education before returning and purchasing Port in the Storm Bookstore. Um, in that capacity, I had the great fortune of being able to select books hand 
to hand choose them, to right. pick them, and to think about the audience in which I was matching up a great story with an interest in reading. It was like Christmas every day for you. When it you, was. You had to pick the Absolutely. books for the, for the readers. For the readers. Yeah. The other piece, of course, coming from higher education was that educational programming that we did out of Port in the Storm Bookstore. And that was really the thing that inspired the beginnings of Island Readers and Writers. And Island Readers and Writers' mission is to inspire a passion for reading and learning. And we take our programs to coastal children living on coastal islands and what we call inland islands in Washington County communities. But it was that interaction between a reader and a writer, that energy, that enthusiasm, that curiosity that was cultivated and nourished and ignited that really caused me to begin to think about how to develop a nonprofit organization that would take the walls away from Port in the Storm Bookstore and allow the programs to go out into the community to children. I think if I had to identify one opportunity at the bookstore that inspired the launching of, of Island Readers and Writers, it was um, a, a February afternoon on a Sunday with a snowstorm, and our guest in the store was Ashley Bryan. And, of course, even though the roads were hard to get through, uh, snow was coming down hard, and it was just very, very cold, about 100 people showed up at the bookstore and just sat on every word. And the enthusiasm, the magic, you know, it was just, it was just incredible. And you could just see kids getting so excited to be around him and to open all the worlds that were opened up as a result of that interlude. Hmm. So as I thought about the future of the bookstore and perhaps blending a nonprofit component to a for-profit component, we began exploring the idea of this organization, Island Readers and Writers. We started visiting two islands uh, after testing the idea with a number of different people, and we also received a grant from the Maine Community Foundation to conduct some focus groups to test our vision for this particular organization. And after taking our programs out and becoming a nonprofit, actually in 2007, we realized that we really had a wonderful program in the making. And our islands began to evolve in terms of the programming that was being done, and we expanded our reach. Uh, we now work on 11 islands and uh, seven communities in Washington County. So we have 18 different program sites and do programs in schools, programs in libraries, and programs into the community. And we'll learn a little bit more about some of those programs in a minute. Uh, Jennifer, uh, tell us a little bit about what attracted you to become involved in Island Readers and Writers and, and uh, perhaps um, talk a little bit about your role both as a, an artist and a community member but also um, as a parent. Uh, we first got involved in the, in the summertime uh, a few years ago when author Gary Schmidt came and did a Friends Over Books program in the library. So we were pretty newly back to Mount Desert Island after having lived in Portland since they were little. My kids are 14 and 13 now. But we were given, um, they were each given a free book. They read them and had some uh, discussions with some community volunteers that volunteered for IRW. And then they got to spend an evening with Gary Schmidt, and he answered their questions. He was engaging, and from that point on, we were hooked on everything IRW does. Um, we participated 
in a few different ways. Each of my kids got to do an island-wide read. Um, Ellie, what's that? It's when all the schools on Mount Desert Island got together one grade to read. Uh, and Ellie in seventh grade got to read uh, The Giver by Lois Lowry, and she was there. She's an incredible YA young adult literature author. Um, so we were sort of starstruck by that because we're big fans of her in our house. And then Chase got to read Small as an Elephant last year, uh, island-wide read for sixth grade. Um, and then last year we participated in the first Arrow Retreat, which I think Jan will talk a little more about in a minute. Um, but it's the uh, enthusiasm is contagious. Mm. And I, I joined the board because when Jan asks you to do something, you don't say no. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's part of why this program is so successful. She's really good at, at bringing people together and inspiring a passion for everything. Mm. Um, my kids got to do art and writing and spend one-on-one -on -one time with published authors and illustrators. And uh, I, there's just nothing like it. <laughs> and what do you suppose it is that, that um, excites um, a, a young person when they meet the, the author? We'll talk a little bit more about that with, with Kim because she's had that experience. But what do you, for each of you, what, 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 what excites them when they are meeting someone who's actually produced something that they, that they hold in their hands? Um, Jennifer first and then... Yeah. I think it takes away, it, it removes a step and puts the two people right in a room together. And uh, the people that we've had the, the op opportunity to work with have made my kids feel like their ideas are important and that all things are possible. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that what a gift for a kid, mm -hmm. um, who uh, sometimes in a quite isolated community, to have somebody right there next to them who's gone um, and published a book or illustrated a book, it just makes you feel like the world is open um, and that you could do something like that in the future. That's great. Yeah. And uh, Jan, you mentioned um, Ashley Bryan. Um, tell us a little bit more about what you saw in that interchange that kind of inspired you. Well, first of all, of course, he's such an energetic and has such a presence in a room. The minute he walks in, he's just takes charge and commands the attention. But, you know, he had everybody interacting with him. Um, and, of course, if you've been in his presence and seen him present, he has you repeat after him, and he builds very instantly a community within the setting itself. So he talks about the power of words. Kids listen to that, and they really emulate the kind of enthusiasm and passion that he has as he reveals poems or reads his stories or talks about his illustrations. Mm. He's just a magical person, mm -hmm. and that really comes across. And that's one of the things we do spend a lot of time thinking about is that match between a program, a book, a great story, and the author, um, and whether or not that is an author who can talk with kids, not at kids, but with kids, and how to set up, if you will, in the design of the program that opportunity for it to be a memorable experience, a transformative mm. experience for some, and a very powerful one, an empowering one uh, for so many others. Mm. Um, but that's, I mean, we're fortunate. In mm. Maine, we have just so many wonderful authors and illustrators. And while we started out just working with one, we now have 28 that we have worked with over the years, and some in which we actually do tours 
with a book and will visit a number of different um, schools with their particular book. Hmm. So Kim is one of those. And Kim is one of those. So Kim, a little a little background on yourself. How did you um, come to to writing? And and uh, um, we'll talk about the secret pool. Sure. Well, I've been a science writer for over 25 years. Uh, My passion is the natural world. And I've written for Down East Magazine and edited magazines, done a bunch of different things. Um, But a few years ago, I just had this itch to write a children's book. And uh, it had been a longtime dream of mine with my dear friend Rebecca Ray, a wonderful artist and illustrator. And a few years ago, Tilbury House Publishers here in Maine actually put us together. And we pitched an idea of a children's book on vernal pools. And the book was inspired by several experiences. I grew up in southern Maine and was a free-range child, so I spent a lot of time in the woods. And uh, one day when I was eight or nine, discovered this beautiful, clear, shallow pool filled with frog eggs, and it soon became my hangout. Uh, Many years later, I learned it was a vernal pool, a very special place, forms in springtime, and it's where frogs and salamanders and these amazing little paperclip-sized fairy shrimp breed. Um, And then I started working with scientists at the University of Maine's Sustainability Solutions Initiative, uh, including Aram Calhoun, a wetlands ecologist, and learned from her that not only are these small pools, which are all around us, by the way, and they're rocking right now. They're full of wood frogs and eggs and salamanders. So when we hear a peeper at night, um, they're connected to that vernal pool experience. They, they very well could be. The um, the sound you really want to listen for are wood frogs. The, which, the croaking. Yep, which sound kind of like a bunch of quacking ducks right. from a distance. And they are doing that as we speak, which is so exciting. Um, but I learned from Aram that not only are these pools uh, essential breeding habitat for these amphibians, they help feed and sustain the entire forest. So creatures from moose to wood ducks to ribbon, ribbon snakes, which are rare in the state of Maine, depend on these pools at different times of the year. And I just fell in love with these places, which Aram calls snack bars and rest stops for the (laughs) forest. And so it was a combination of wanting to share the wonder I experienced as a kid and still do visiting these pools. I wanted to share that um, and also um, just really help children understand and their grown-ups that these are really vital places. Mm. Uh, So that really catalyzed the writing of The Secret Pool. And when I see the secret pool, it's it's like um, th- there's an illustrated manuscript here. This is this is incredible work. Talk talk about sure. the collaboration with yes. Rebecca Ray. Yeah, so uh, it's very rare for an artist and an illustrator who are friends from the outset to get to work together. So that was an incredible gift. And Rebecca and I talked a lot about the book. Her art, which is lyrical and exquisite and soulful, really inspired my writing. And we had a lot of conversations um, about the book. I decided to write it in two voices. There's a poetic voice in which the pool tells its own story um, because I decided I wanted young readers and older readers to have a direct experience, nothing didactic and nothing in the way of them experiencing the pool. At the same time, these are extraordinary places. Um, there, wood frogs survive the winter by freezing and spotted salamanders live underground. So there's a lot to tell about the pools. So each page has a lot of facts about vernal pools and their inhabitants. And so again, Rebecca, and I talked about how should the pages look? How, how does she interpret 
with this visually. Um, and we both did a ton of research and shared information back and forth. And one of the things we share with children in our school visits and at the Arrow Retreat and um, that I love about working with Jan is we're building bridges. And um, there's very little difference in the process of, or I should say there are a lot of commonalities between writing, between art, and between science. They all start with observation. Um, and there's a lot of creativity. So it's a very rich collaborative process that uh, Rebecca and I began together, um, and the book came out last October, and now we actually get to share it with our readers, which is such a joy. Mm. And it's won some really wonderful awards. It has. Uh, very exciting. And we found out together uh, about the first award. Um, the John Burroughs Association every year gives out awards, uh, national awards to outstanding natural history books for young people. Um, so the Secret Pool was one of four recipients this year. And uh, we got to visit the American Museum of Natural History to receive our award, which was a wonderful field trip. Um, and then a couple of days later, we received the Lupin Award from the Maine Library Association. And that was a joy. There were over 360 librarians from around the state of Maine there, mostly children's librarians. And boy, they are our people. Uh, we decided that since we were in a conference room in the Augusta Civic Center and it was a beautiful spring day, that we needed to bring a vernal pool into the room. So 360 plus librarians joined us in creating an amphibian spring chorus in the Civic Center. And we had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of interaction um, must um, be great to hear um, people appreciate you as adults, but also this interchange with, with um, young people. Sure. What kinds of responses have they had to the book? Yeah, well, I have to say it's hugely inspiring to work with children. I was telling Jane after all these years I've found my people and they're 9, 10, and 11-year-olds. Um, they're hugely curious, creative, they're not jaded. They love biology and they want to know how the world works. Um, at the same time, there are, are deeper deeper insights that emerge uh, in our sessions with children. So Rebecca and I, on our school visits through Island Readers and Writers, do an assembly for K through 8th graders. I do a writing workshop, and then Rebecca does an illustration workshop. So the kids actually write their own story about a vernal pool creature and then illustrate it. And um, my favorite part of the whole thing is when kids share what they've written. And it takes a lot of guts to not only write and be brave about it, but then share it with your peers. And one of my favorite moments um, in the writing workshop is the kids pick a character and then pick a problem, something that their character has to overcome and mm. then come up with a solution. So one boy wrote about a wood frog, and the kids have to combine research and factual information and use their imaginations. And so this boy decided his wood frog's problem was his wood frog could not find a mate and it was breeding season. And his solution, which was very eloquent, and he wrote quite a bit about it, but in one word, the solution was patience. <laughs> and that's one of those great moments. I mean, we want children to learn about the ecology of these pools and the science, but that, that's profound wisdom. So we really, we took a moment to talk about that. What a great solution to any problem, to just be patient. Well, especially this spring. Mm -hmm, that's true. <laughs> Well, you're listening to Talk of the Towns this morning. We're talking with um, folks about island readers and writers. Our guests include Kim Ridley, the author of The Secret Pool, published last year by Tilbury House. Um, also, Jan Coates, who's executive director of Island Readers and Writers, and Jennifer Judd-McGee, who's a board member and a, and a parent whose uh, children have been part of these programs. Um, so it's pretty obvious how you might have chosen um, Kim Ridley's book, The Secret Pool, um, to engage. What are the, some of the other ways in which you kind of think 
think about books to share um, through your, your school programs? Well, you know, one of the things that I mentioned earlier was that uh, special joy that I have in matching uh, books, good stories with readers. And one of the things that we do do when we are doing these school visits is get into the field to see what kids are interested in, what schools are looking at in terms of themes, um, what are the resources in the area, because we try to tap in, if we can, um, to other nonprofits that might be there on a collaborative basis to bring their programs and connect them in some way um, to what we might be doing in the school. Um, so when we look at a program, we're looking at that cross-disciplinary mm. uh, approach, and it all begins first with a great story. So everything is book-centered. Everything has a hands-on learning component. Everything is customized, and everything is really geared uh, to the youngsters, the grade, and we do align everything to the curriculum, to the core. Um, so we have a reader group um, of volunteers who are out in the world um, who keep an eye on what's happening in Maine, what the Maine authors are doing, read the literature, make recommendations, uh, try to keep that quality, want to keep that quality very high in terms of what we do and the, the, the stories that we bring to kids, and to make sure that there is that match, that there is that intentional match with the interests that we have uh, assessed from each school. And we then look to see where that author or illustrator, uh, what they're doing, what their other books are, where they might be presenting. Sometimes I go out to hear a presentation so I can see how an author or an illustrator constructs their workshop for a child or talks about their work. Um, we often kid that sometimes um, that becomes so very important, not only to be able to connect positively with children and to talk with them, as I mentioned before, as opposed to at them. But we also are traveling. We also have a lot of logistics to deal with. And I often um, joke about uh, stilettos and uh, lobster boats and uh, thinking about somebody traveling in the fog, uh, maybe seven miles or eight miles out to sea in a lobster boat to get to an island school and hike up a hill and be able to work with a one-room school um, group of, of students in that community of all ages. And that sometimes is different than going to a auditorium where you might be, or a classroom where you might be working with an individual grade. Mm. So we look for that diverse you know, spectrum of um, fit, and um, we then uh, move into the process of selection. And we do our homework and we try on a number of different ideas. And as you might uh, suspect, a lot of our funding comes from grants. So we do a lot of planning uh, six to eight months in advance and begin to think well ahead of what we are going to be doing as the program rolls out over a year. Mm -hmm. We have a number of different theme-related uh, programs. One is our literary links to science. Um, and now, of course, we talk about STEAM instead of STEM. And relate those two terms to our listeners, uh, STEAM, STEAM instead of STEM. Yeah. would be science, technology, engineering, mathematics, uh, and we'd add art mm -hmm. in there. And, of course, what we did at the Arrow Retreat, we called that uh, the crossroads, uh, meet at the crossroads of science, writing, and art. Um, and those cross-disciplinary 
um, opportunities to begin to connect, as, as uh, Kim was saying, um, all of the processes that are similar across all of those disciplines and helping kids have that engaged opportunity to try each on mm. and to realize those connections themselves. Mm. Mm. Uh, Jennifer, you've, you've kind of seen this um, at play, so to speak. How does it connect with uh, your young people? What, what do you think makes the difference in terms of them um, making a connection with any one of those science, technology, so on? Um, well, the Arrow Retreat for the last two years has taken place over April vacation. So that's kind of an important note that uh, my kids willingly signed up for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, they loved the books that they got to read th- this week at the Arrow Retreat. They got and re- Jan, just give us the, the thumbnail sketch of what the Arrow Retreat is. Well, it's, a, it, it's an opportunity for 6th, 7th, and 8th graders who live on MDI or the Outer Islands who attend um, the school system. So Tremont and Trenton, or Trenton, is also involved in, uh-huh. in that group. Um, and they come together, and this year we were over at the biological lab, the Mount Desert Island Biological Lab, uh, for four afternoons during April vacation. And we bring in a series of presenters. We've set it up as a conference, really. Okay. And they have to register ahead. You know, they get their brochure and their schedule, and we have plenary sessions, and then we go into the field. And this year, we had a behind-the-bench experience with Dr. Karen James uh, doing DNA uh, extraction and looking under the microscope at various uh, things, Um, and a field experience with Kim out at the Vernal Pool, writing prompts that came along the way uh, for both of those experiences, which served to create the writing piece. So we were interested in, in introducing some of the differences and similarities between writing for nonfiction and for fiction, and then bringing in an author, uh, Kim, doing the nonfiction piece, and then we had Patrick Jennings, um, who was also a children's book writer, uh, we flew him in to have a day of writing workshops with the kids, uh, looking at that uh, fictional component. And that then transitioned into um, an afternoon with Rebecca Ray uh, and an introduction the day before um, to illustrating and for Rebecca to bring together as one individual all that goes into whether you're illustrating a, a nonfiction book or a fiction book that process and how you enter into that process. So they took their writing and they illustrated um, mm. their work. Um, then we had a reception and a, an exhibit mm. of, of all of the, the uh, pieces that the children had created, both the written and the, and the art. Mm. So Jennifer, what, what, um, what was your children's experience at, at this most recent Arrow retreat? Well, they had a wonderful time. Um, I think they had a great time writing. My older daughter was helping a little bit this year, too. Um, and then the culmination with Rebecca Ray uh, was a special treat for them. They really admire her. Uh, they had seen her work last year. Last yeah. year, okay. And um, she remembered their names. Uh-huh. She hugged them. <laughs> when she signed their books, she cried a little bit because they told her they'd had a great time. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just magical. Mm. Um, one of the things we talked about last night was when Rebecca said uh, when she was illustrating Kim's book that when they work together 
when you're working on the illustrations, sometimes you can tell part of the story in the illustration and take a few words away. Um, and it, and it's not, it doesn't have to be as uh, formulaic as you might mm. imagine. Mm. And that I think they were interested in that collaboration. Um, mm. I liked hearing that too, actually. I, I hadn't thought about it that way before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and it was, they all felt like artists and writers last night at the reception. Mm. You know, we scrambled to get everything up on the wall. They could show these beautiful uh, paintings that they'd made and they were so proud of their writing. Mm. Um, and I think the parents that came were pretty blown away. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. So they I got that experience of, of actually producing something. Yeah. And then um, you, you uh, Jan, before the show, we were talking about the difference between um, being a writer and being an author. Um, and you were ele- elevating people to think of themselves as authors, something that they're sharing something. Yes, and yeah. that was something that Patrick Jennings brought up. He asked each of the, actually the whole group, to raise their hand if they identified themselves as an author, and very few did, just a couple. Mm-hmm. And then to uh, raise your hand if you identified yourself as a writer. And almost everybody did. Hmm. Uh, so it was an interesting uh, discussion that followed just looking at what was the difference. And it turned out it was the sharing of the writing that uh, he was putting emphasis on. When you share your writing with another, you become an author hmm. because your words are out there for others to enjoy and to interpret. And to, it's a shared experience. Um, and the kids really got that. I think by the end of the retreat, they were all authors. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. They had their work out, um, sharing it very proudly, as Jen said. So Good. it was a great event. Well, I'm just going to um, um, give uh, Kim a chance, if she'd like, to, to read a piece um, from The Secret Pool, maybe in the, in the voice of the pool. Sure. And then talk about, um, well, how did that translate in the Arrow Workshop? Sure. But I'll remind listeners while she's um, thinking about that, uh, selecting the piece, that they're tuned to Talk of the Towns. And we're talking about island readers and writers, a, a project that has been going on, um, what, since 2007 or so? As a nonprofit, yeah, yes. Yeah, a nonprofit. And Jan Coates is with us. She's, she's executive director of Island Readers and Writers. She brought with us, uh, with her, uh, Jennifer Judd McGee, who's a board member for Island Readers and Writers and a parent. And Kim Ridley, who's um, the author of uh, many things, but The Secret Pool is, is one of the focus areas that, that Island Readers and Writers has, has used. So um, in, a, in a few minutes, we'll open up our phone lines, um, and you can call if, with your question, your experience, one 625 9378 If you've got a, an experience to share about um, being an author <laughs> or uh, being a reader, um, that would be wonderful, one 625 9378 But uh, first, um, Kim, have you got a piece that you'd like to kind of share with sure. us? Yeah. I'll just share the opening of, of the book, The Secret <laughs> Pool. Uh, and then I'll just say a couple words about working with the children uh-huh. and sort of and, and how much fun that was. And will you also say what's on the page in terms sure, of the illustration? Sure, I too? will. Great. I will. Great. So what's on the first page is actually the second page of the secret pool is um, a pair of red rubber boots, which are also on the cover. And what Rebecca and I really wanted was for our readers to put themselves in those boots. So on this page is a scene you can see a little bit of the red rubber boots, um, some water plants, uh, the edge of the pool, and a gorgeous wood duck, which is if Picasso had painted ducks, he probably would have done a wood duck. It's this spectacular green and brown and black, uh, gorgeous shy woodland duck which uses vernal pools so kind of mysterious you want to know uh, what's going on and uh, the words go a shimmer a twinkling 
Do you have any inkling of what I am? Even if you are lucky enough to find me shining on the forest floor on an early spring day, you might mistake me for a puddle, which I most certainly am not. <laughs> so the pool has a bit of an attitude. <laughs> And then we turn the page. I'll just read the next page, which is um, a pulled-back shot of a vernal pool. So it's very watery, um, surrounded by all kinds of forest creatures. There's a wood frog, a wonderful water shrew that Rebecca drew and found out from her own research. We had no idea that water shrews even existed, so it was very exciting. Um, there's a ribbon snake, a red squirrel, a mother wood duck, a red fox, a rabbit, and fairy shrimp and spotted salamander. And it was so fun to work with Rebecca, obviously somebody who loves animals and creatures <laughs> as much as I do. So uh, in this lush illustration in the middle of the pool are the words, I'm a watery jewel called a vernal pool. I sparkle, but that's not the only reason I'm precious. Many creatures of the forest depend on me. Some come to lay their eggs, and others visit me to feed and rest. Listen. Here come my first guests. And you're going to have to look at the book to find out who those first <laughs> guests are. That's great. That's great. Um, but one of the fun things we uh, I did with the children, uh, kids at the Arrow Retreat, is use writing prompts. And what I think makes, uh, one of the things that I think makes Island readers and writers so unique and such a joy is the organization build, builds bridges between authors and illustrators and students, schools, and teachers. And, you know, bridges go two ways. Mm. It's not just us coming into the schools. I get so much from this. And so I shared prompts that I use with the kids uh, when we were outside observing the pool and the life around the pool. And the prompts were, I notice, so looking around, I wonder, questions about what you notice. And then it reminds me of. And then I took the kids through the process. I spent hours looking at vernal pools. Well, how do they look? How do they reflect? Like, what do they look like? And then all of the questions I had about these pools, what really happens here? And then what does the pool remind me of? A watery jewel. So it was really fun to share that with the kids and then get them to reflect back on their experiences. Mm. Um, really a joy. So sharing your process as well mm -hmm. as the results, the, yes. the process of, of thinking, um, feeling, and, and writing, and yes. then the authorship. Yeah. yeah, and really using one's senses to observe. Mm -hmm. So, um, Jan, as you've selected books, especially in, in the island communities and, and in down east areas, um, these themes that you're talking about, um, I, I suspect, um, have real connection to people's lives, to yes. the lives of children and their families. Yes. Tell more about um, some of the other books that you've chosen, uh, if you can, and, yeah. and uh, how they, they connect, intersect with people's lives. Well, one of the things that, uh, one of the programs we just recently did um, down on Beals Island and in White. Uh, was with uh, Cindy Lord and her book, Touch Blue. And, of course, that is a story about foster children who come onto an island to keep a school open. And it's modeled after or was inspired by um, the real situation out on Frenchboro many, many years ago um, when there were f foster children who came out to live with families. And she basically has developed a story that talks about small community living, um, the lobstering culture, and how someone who's not familiar at all with either one of those things enters in to find a place within that community. 
Um, and the kids really um, got engaged in the process. We prepare a lot of materials that we send to the school before a school visit, including, in this case, a whoopie pie recipe. Um, and the seventh and eighth grade um, students made whoopie pies uh, for Because whoopie everyone. pies were probably a were, factor in the book. They were a factor mm-hmm. in the book. Right. So connecting fun things for kids to do, as well as they had done um, a writing uh, exercise on the book itself and had brought in uh, different lobsters, uh, a blue lobster that had been caught and had put displays together and had talked a lot about the differences between what was portrayed in the book as the lobstering culture versus what they were familiar with living on Beals Island, for mm. example. And thinking about just if someone came into your school, um, how would that person make that transition and what is your role in helping that process? So a lot of it was thinking about heritage, thinking about fishing, thinking about the history of their own uh, island community, and linking it to how they themselves uh, might fit into the story and do things differently or similarly um, as the story did, mm. the characters in the story. Well, we've heard a little bit about some of the um, the uh, changes that happen in the lives of, of your uh, writers and illustrators something about uh, the, the children. What happens in the larger community, do you think? Do you, do you have a sense of, of the impact, the ripples out, if, if you will, well, of I your visits? Well, I think one of the things we've been talking about uh, so far is the school visits, mm. but we've left out the in-the-community okay. activities. And uh, we do have a number of programs. Uh, we are fortunate to have success in uh, securing two national endowment for the arts grants uh, around the program, big, the Big Read program. And uh, we had uh, Big Read in 2010 that was uh, around the book, uh, The Call of the Wild. Mm-hmm. And we organized that across seven islands. Um, and we had 1,236 readers, I'm proud to say, um, really collaborating with all of the public libraries the schools that wish to participate, and nonprofits that could bring something to the story to bring it to life and deepen the meaning for the community. Um, that was a huge success and led us to do a, a second one where we did the Adventures of Tom Sawyer for the, the next selection in 2012, and we had 1,290 readers um, in that particular activity. So we're also interested in building reading communities, Mm -hmm. communities where reading is supported in children and enjoyed and has opportunity for intergenerational experiences where families can share uh, in a great story and also have the experience in some cases of meeting the author, but of course in these two cases I just cited, uh, not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But we have a program coming up um, this summer on MDI uh, with Richard Peck, who is a a Newbery uh, award-winning author, and uh, we will have an intergenerational read, and we're hoping that the fifth and sixth graders uh, of the schools and the MDI school system will be reading his book uh, a long way from Chicago. And also, we have the cooperation of all of the island libraries uh, who have collaborated on this particular project and have helped plan it. And they, too, will be doing programs in each of the individual libraries uh, around Richard Peck's writings. 
Um, so we will have all kinds of things. He'll be in residence for three days, traveling out to Swans Island, uh, making a sort of a, a series of program stops at various libraries across the island. So we'll have more information about that on our website, and we're just really excited to have that opportunity to engage the community on a wider basis. Jennifer, you've uh, mentioned um, your children participating in the, in the Big Read. Um, talk a little bit about um, what that's like as a, as a family to have a, a book that everyone's experiencing. And do you have a sense that um, because your children are reading it and some of their classmates are reading it, that, that they, they create connections as well? Uh, definitely. Um, in 2012, my husband Sam and my kids read Tom Sawyer and participated in a couple of the community discussions and other activities. I think they went out to Swans Island and did some activities with the school there. Jan could tell you a little more, but she just thought of so many wonderful ways to make connections with the book mm. um, in hands-on ways, and it gave some opportunities for parents to talk about what their grandparents had told them when they were growing up, you know. So that was pretty cool. So this intergenerational piece yeah. is, is important. And it seems like that, that um, Maine has always had um, storytelling as part of its heritage, its, its culture. Sometimes yeah. the, the uh, connection between storytelling doesn't quite make it to literature in all people's minds. But go back to that story, mm -hmm. and people are entranced by um, the, the spoken word, the storytelling process. Mm -hmm. And I, I suppose that that's part of what you're trying to, to um, uh, reinvigorate, this notion of storytelling as, as a community event. There was another book that we read I mentioned earlier called OK For Now by Gary Schmidt when he came last year. Um, and my kids loved that book so much they recommended it to their grandparents mm -hmm. who read it, uh, actually listened to the audiobook on a trip. And it's, I guess I would call it historical fiction. It takes place, you know, Vietnam War era. Um, and it's definitely a young adult book, but so well written and so full of stories that when my parents got back from their trip, they were ignited by how wonderful it was. And it was some really nice conversations about sort of what it was like for them when they were 13, you mm -hmm. know. Um, so that, that's really special. And that's just one tiny example of, I think, what's happening in communities all over the place mm -hmm. every time IRW visits. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And with the Richard Peck uh, visit, one of the things that the story is about is young children visiting their grandparents over the summer. So we hope that in the prompts and the materials that we put out to the community, we will inspire that kind of dialogue about summer vacations, spending time with your grandparents, and invite those kinds of stories. Mm. Um, but you may be... Um, I think we talked at one point uh, a while back about storytelling and the important role um, that storytelling has played in my life. And um, way back, well, not way back because I'm not that old, but as a child growing up in Northeast Harbor, one of the, the really important uh, experiences was the storytelling program out of the, uh, the high school mm. that was then in that, that village. And I think, um, you know, that has been something that has always stayed with me. And certainly as we select books, it's, it's something that has informed my interest mm -hmm. in how we match a book with an audience. Um, is the story, does it grab you? Is it, is it enticing? Mm -hmm. Is it inspiring? Mm -hmm. uh, are there opportunities to grow that story and make the connections 
because every, everybody has a story for kids. Right, yeah. right, right. I'll remind listeners that they're tuned to Talk of the Towns, and we would welcome very much your participation in this morning's program. Give us a call at one eight six six. 625-9378 or locally 469-0500 as we talk about the process of inspiring um, readers and, um, and and writers. I think uh, inspiration goes around. one 625 Kim, what would you um, add in terms of this notion of, of, of connecting the, the world of science and the world of uh, fiction? Um, there's some common processes. They start with questions and some observations Sure. What else would you kind of connect these yeah. two, two worlds? Uh, I think also imagination and, um, and a love of language and communicating. Certainly scientists within different disciplines all use very specific language to their discipline. But I think um, there's a real push now. We really we need, to under, we need to become much more literate in science, number one, and understand it in order to be better decision makers, mm. Um, mm. both personally and, and as communities. And so that, in, that interchange... Uh, and breaking down those walls and building bridges is really exciting. To me, a great example of that at the Arrow Retreat, Jan mentioned um, Dr. Karen James worked with kids um, behind the bench doing um, extracting DNA and looking at things under a microscope. And in Karen's introduction, she started her introduction by reading a short uh, poem by Jonathan Swift. And it was about, flea, you know, on fleas are smaller fleas and smaller fleas and smaller fleas ad infinitum. And she said, you know, I'm a scientist and I love poetry. So it's, there's, there's this real opportunity to share our commonalities. And um, I think, you know, as we, as we think about the, the world is so, you know, the, this, the challenges we're facing, um, we really need to get I feel beyond silos and collaborate, and we and I love steam. I mean, that's just so exciting to me to bring the arts into steam. Um, and I I have the sense in um, working with with children and having lots of nieces that um, children are naturally interdisciplinary. They don't create those walls. We sort of set them up uh, or construct them. Um, so to be able to kind of model that to uh, work with an artist, uh, Rebecca, and um, a scientist like Karen and me, a writer, and to be able to share, and also Patrick Jennings, who was just a terrific storyteller and so generous um, with the kids um, who read his book, We Can't All Be Rattlesnakes, which is hilarious and um, full of natural history and and has a lot of great lessons in it. Um, I think we have the opportunity, and it enriches all of us as creators and it kind of opens the way for kids and gives them a chance. Oh, I don't have to pick just one thing to do. I can think more broadly. I can do research. I can be analytical. I can do experiments. But then I can use my imagination and to ask questions and put some of these ideas together. Great. Well, let's take a phone call from a listener. Um, if you're listening and would like to participate in our conversation, give us a call, one 866 Six two five nine three seven eight. But we have a caller on the line. If you'd like to give us your first name and the town you're calling from, and then go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hi, uh, my name is Cindy. I'm calling from Hancock, and I really uh, love hearing about children's books. They're one of my favorite types of books. <laughs> children's books all the time, and um, I love um, 
classic classics like Leo Leone and, and those writers, but I loved hearing The Secret Pool. And I have a grandson, and, and want, I'm just about to go on a trip to visit him. He's seven, and I want to buy The Secret Pool for him. I wonder where it is being offered. Oh, in. thank you. Well, I went to Ellsworth this morning on the way over, and they don't have it in one of the bookstores there. So let's maybe Kim has, a, has some hints about that. Sure. Uh, Blue Hill Books. Um, if it's easy for you to get to Blue Hill, I think that would that would be the closest place. And thank you so much for sharing the book. That's lovely. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I'm honored. Well, Cindy, thank you for your call this morning. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. 1-866-625-9378. Yes, this notion that um, that we get to give books um, is really important in, yes, in this is. world today. Um, <laughs> I've heard the story from two different sources. Um, one, I think, was talking about a politician, and the other was talking about an actress. The story of, of you gave me a book, I've already got a book. You know what? <laughs> Books are so rich. So um, this this notion that we we give stories away, we inspire people by giving them a physical book. Right, and that's, and that's one, part of your 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 program. It is, and it's a very important part. Uh, one of the the very treasured parts of the program is having that opportunity at the end of a, an experience with an author and illustrator to have that one on one time where a book is personally inscribed, um, and then that child gets to keep that book. Um, and for some children, it's the first book that they've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, and for others, it's the first book they've ever had signed by right. anyone. Uh, but that kind of interchange at the end of a experience uh, puts, dots the, puts the dot right over the I and crosses the T. It's it's really a powerful exchange. Mm. Uh, Kim, you were talking about the importance of these, this integrating um, kind of piece, and it seems like that all of education is in some kind of upheaval these days as we um, think about teaching for tests. And you're not teaching for tests. No, <laughs> um, I what? wouldn't know how. <laughs> <laughs> so you're injecting something back into education that you know some people might feel is missing. Um, is that true? I would say yes. No. Um, we're doing educational enrichment programs in ways that uh, some schools don't have the opportunity to do. Right. We're also linking that or design as we prepare the programs. Uh, we're providing the links to the core so that we can see how different elements of what we're providing connects back and for teachers to be able to see that. We're also modeling this cross-disciplinary mm. approach mm. Uh, with hands-on learning. So as teachers begin to um, think about how they teach, um, how they might integrate such programs into their classrooms, um, we're giving also that opportunity to see one example of how that might be done. And as I mentioned earlier, this idea of also drawing from local resources to come in to the classroom, we like to do that where we can, whether it's uh, having someone from um, the Opera House or um, the Historical Society or the library or combining programs um, to create those connections is also important to us. This might be a good place to talk about fish scales and tails <laughs> yes. because it seems like that's um, a great model for um, involving um, uh, um, local resources and resources that might be from away. Right. And this is a program that we've put together in collaboration with the Lubeck Consolidated School, the Lubeck Memorial Library, um, and also um, 
the Tides Institute and the New England Aquarium, plus bringing in an, a main author uh, to work in the schools. And for the month of May, we say things are going to get very fishy in Lubeck. <laughs> um, it's a whole series, a collection of programs um, that will be going on throughout that month. And we've had a planning committee. We received a grant from the Maine Community Foundation to support this effort, which we're very pleased about. And uh, we've had a great time putting it together. So it will involve in-school program uh, with Mary Cirillo with a country fish, city fish book, city fish, country fish book. Um, working also with Mo Brown from the New England Aquarium that will be looking at the right whale, some of the research. Um, what's happening in that area of the Lubeck Peninsula, and also with the Tides Institute, some art. Uh, Linda Greenlaw will be up to talk to some book groups that are um, in process, and we also have some small reading groups going on for kids, and lots of books that are going to be distributed um, that have fish or marine life as their focus. Mm. So we're very pleased to be able to help pull all of this together and provide, um, really be a catalyst to bring these different groups together and provide conversation about fish well, <laughs> in and, the and Lubeck fish area. is so important um, to the, the history and culture of places like Lubeck, and yet someone moving there today might not have that connection, see that connection, because right. it isn't as obvious right. now, and, and you're kind of bringing that back to light. Right. Yeah. And I think this illustrates also the breadth of island readers and writers. We're not just on Mount Desert Island mm-hmm. or just on the coastal islands, but we are in, the, in what we call inland islands, um, those areas in Maine that are have some of the characteristics of a coastal island being somewhat remote uh-huh. uh, and perhaps not having the opportunity uh, to bring in a lot of different resources without a stretch or another hand right. to help identify and make that happen. So how do you how do you um, locate um, a potential um, um, in inland island? <laughs> um, I can imagine with the islands themselves, it's pretty easy. They're they're identifiable. Right. What's what are some of the characteristics, or how do you actually make those connections? Well, we have a commitment as a board to expanding into Washington County. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has been identified as our our sort of our county expand or our next area of mm-hmm. expansion. And we have a program committee um, where we have a school profile um, that we actually do our research on the various schools and make some determinations. We have a, a decision screen that we use that looks for different characteristics in terms of how remote they are, what kind of educational enrichment programs are actually happening in the school currently, what kind of support do they have in the surrounding area, do they have a PTO, do they have a group of volunteers, uh, sort of what is happening within that school or that region. And then we approach them if we feel that we have something that would add value um, to perhaps the experience of the kids. Um, and we approach them and actually have a dialogue about their interest, um, what they might be doing in the arts, et cetera. And then, again, whether or not we can add value and support to what is happening. Um, if there is that kind of match, then we talk about what that might mean in terms of our expectation of the school and their expectation of us. 
and we identify a site coordinator at each location to be that contact person to help us as we're developing programs and to be who we will interact with in order to learn of interests and to try ideas on and to get feedback through the teacher network or the community network, Mm -hmm. whatever that might be. And once that match is um, made, um, then if we're invited in, uh, we begin the working process. Um, We listen hard and um, we come up with what we think are creative ideas and make recommendations and obviously it's a two-way street so we respond also to themes of interest Mm -hmm. and that seems like that uh, that coordinator is kind of a key uh, uh, both a door opener and a and as you say a a coordinator to make things work at that level and act and to help us learn about the surrounding area and we've spent a lot of time in those areas as well well you've got a wonderful um website Uh, just remind us um how people would would learn about uh, more about island readers and writers uh our website is island readers and writers all spelled out lowercase Org. Okay, good. And and uh, um, uh, Kim, you're going to be um, out um, on one of the islands, a couple islands yes. coming up, talking about the secret pool. Yes, so excited. We're it's, to me, this is just one big field trip. I <laughs> love it. So we're heading out to Islesford this Wednesday with Island Readers and Writers, and then on May 21st, we're going to Frenchboro. Mm. And so Rebecca and I are doing these workshops together. And again, that it really it's uh, that bridge is incredible. I feel like I learn so much from the children we work with. So it's a complete joy. Um, And I really learn from their fearlessness in writing, um, the way they plunge right in, their creativity, and um, just how they put their ideas together. And also from the teachers. It's Mm. a real education for me. And uh, I'm in awe of classroom teachers. I really am. Mm. Mm. And uh, Jennifer, as as we kind of wrap up, have you got some thoughts about what you'd tell another parent um, about uh, having their uh, kids involved or maybe a a kid directly um, involved? How how would you kind of approach that? I say the same thing every time I talk to any parent, which is pretty much every day. It's an amazing (laughs) program. We do so much with not very much money, Uh lots of enthusiasm and joy um, and it's just don't miss a chance to be involved <laughs> if you can. And Great. I think that that's really starting to happen. Great. Yeah. And, and um, just re- remind me a little bit about your structure. You've got a few more uh, other board members. Um, we do. Uh, yeah. We have a, um, a board um, of nine. Nine? Yes, I think. And we have about 87 volunteers um, throughout the system. Um, And uh, for the Arrow Retreat, we were so pleased to have student volunteers this time working with us. And we hope to incorporate more of them in our programs. And also we're exploring uh, opportunities for internships and other things to happen with us. We operate out of a 270 square foot space so we we're <laughs> we're slowly building <laughs> you've got a, a bookshelf size um, <laughs> yes, operation. <we> do. <laughs> that's great well we've come to that time when i want to remind you that this program was produced with support from cooperative extension and the hancock county extension association with offices in each county cooperative extension is the major educational outreach program of the university of maine 
Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Koronak on a Balmain House Highland music recording. Thanks once again to our guests um, talking about Island Readers and Writers, Jan Coates, Executive Director, and Jennifer Judd McGee, a board member for Island Readers and Writers, and Kim Ridley, author of The Secret Pool and other things, um, uh, but helping out with these programs. Uh, thanks to our underwriters. Uh, thanks to those of you who listened and called in. And thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program. Stay tuned for On the Wing. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. Good morning.